Hi, I'm Kieran Cook, and welcome to At Source Podcast, a place where natural health and well-being are at the forefront of the conversation. Gain useful insights direct from the source from doctors, industry experts, wellness advocates, and everything in between. This is a place for busy people who want to get to the core of health and wellness with information about the latest health advances and trends. In this series, we talk with and learn from inspiring leaders from all walks of life, touching on important topics that will help answer some of the key questions about natural health, well-being, fitness, and all things direct from the source. Welcome to the At Source podcast as we continue with our conversations around health and well-being. I get to interact with some pretty extraordinary guests, one of which we're in discussion with today, Susan Renata. Susan started competing in gymnastics when she was five years old. This was her platform to play a multitude of sports and then go on to complete a postgraduate degree in physical education. During her studies, she started teaching aerobics, which led her to Les Mills programs where she launched her international career as a master trainer and presenter using her PE degree to write education for instructors globally. Being the superwoman she is, alongside her Les Mills career, she also decided to go into the New Zealand police, where she became a homicide detective. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to start our conversation by asking you about your journey with New Zealand Police. As you know, we've also chatted with Lance Burdett in Season 2 of At Source Podcast, whom I believe you worked with. But firstly, I just wanted to ask you, what was it like working as a homicide detective? Um, they're, they're very intense cases. First of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great yeah, to have you. And, um, um, my police work, so I, I joined um, actually as a result of sort of um, coming out of my phys ed degree. I spent one year working in a gym and I realised that sort of I wanted to do more. And someone said, what about being a, a, a physical training instructor in the police? And I thought, oh, yeah, I've got the sass for that. Drop down, give me 20 kind of styles. And um, But you had to join up. So I actually went through the recruitment process, joined up and fell in love with police work and very, very quickly realised that I'm useless in a pub fight. So didn't want to really sort of spend much time on the front line. So I very quickly uh, shifted into detective work. And you sort of don't specialise as a homicide de- detective as such, but for the last sort of three to four years of my career, of my 10-year career, um, was basically popping from homicide to homicide to homicide. So it did feel like I was becoming a, a sort of specialised um, homicide detective, if you like. Um, they're incredibly traumatic experiences um, and... Um, you know, there's a there's a sort of a job. We're trained to get a job done, and that's to investigate a crime. And there's so many different levels of dynamics. You know, um, dealing with the families, or potentially being in charge of the body, or um, being in charge of the actual area canvassing. And so, you know, I enjoyed detective work because I felt like it was a more of an in depth process around you know putting a bad guy putting a bad guy away or a bad girl. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. But when you said, I'll just take you back to when you said I fell in love with um, police work. Do you think it was the the rigour, I'm just listening to you, do you think it was the rigour, you know, being able to go deep and actually solve a problem that um, 
kind of, you know, appealed to you and made you feel like you were making a difference? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just interested in what it was about the police work that made you feel that you were in the right place at the right yeah, time. there's definitely, uh, and I can't speak on behalf of every single police officer, but there is definitely an attraction, or the attraction for me was to helping the old lady across the road. In many, many circumstances, whether it's car accidents or missing people or you really have an opportunity to step in and help people who are going through something, you know, generally not nice. So a big part of that was feeling like I had a, a, a really well-intentioned purpose in my work. You know, I could turn up. You know, another part of the attraction for me was that you never knew what was going to happen. So every day was slightly different and I enjoyed that. Um, and, and the other big part for me was the camaraderie. So because of the very nature of the job, you develop um, relationships with, with your um, co-workers or your colleagues that go above and beyond any other type of work. And that's literally because you never know on any given day when someone from your squad or your section is going to save your life and or vice versa. So you you sort of, you cut through the BS pretty quickly with your uh, colleagues and a spade is a spade. And um, I enjoyed that feeling of of working alongside others with like-minded, like-minded intentions. Yeah, yeah. And you've, look, you've answered that really well. And I did suspect it could be the helper in you <laughs> that was um, attracted to that. But I was, I was, I'm glad that you've sort of articulated that rather than me. Um, so, I mean, those are obviously some pretty heavy duty experiences that you've, that you probably still carry with you, even though, you know, you're no longer in the New Zealand police, but it, no doubt it's shaped your thinking. And I'm, I'm interested because obviously as you step into this um, slightly newer terrain, and we'll get to that in a minute, I'm interested in the way that sort of helped you to or assisted or facilitated you to deal with mental health and wellbeing as, as a topic for conversation. So my experience in the police was, was you know, if I take a step back and sort of look at it as a whole, um, you develop very good communication and connection skills with a multitude of people. So on any given eight-hour shift, you could be um, interviewing the victim of a very serious crime who's who's dealing with something horrendously traumatic um, to then dealing with the bad guy or the bad girl sitting in the back of the car. So I feel like um, it was a fast track to understanding a, a human human nature and understanding what's going on for somebody. So um, I can very quickly, as a result of that experience, I can I can very quickly read what's happening for someone just through nature of, um, you know, what's happening for them physically. Are they fidgeting? You know, is there a breathing response? Um, and so I've kind of spent the last 15 to 20 years in the fitness industry sort of honing in on people's physical well-being. But as I've grown older and a bit more life-wise and life experience, uh, experienced, I feel like um, I'm more drawn to what's going on for people emotionally and mentally, that um, the physical well-being is only a part of it. And one of the things that I'm good at, if you like, and I bring to this part of, of, of my work, is that I'm really good in traumatic environments. I can allow people to hold whatever's going on for them. 
whether it be, you know, um, and deeply upset or, you know, feeling close to the edge of a comfort zone or whatever, and just allow that person to feel really comfortable with where they're at. In that time in the police, you would have, as you said, you've um, connected with a really, like, diverse range of people, right, in society, more than the average person Absolutely. would. And so they, that would give you the tactics alone to be able to do that. And to obviously empathy plays a really big part in the work that you do yeah. too. And I imagine even going forward, it's going to be a key yeah. a key quality to have to be able to kind of, you know, assist and help yeah. people. So, you know, I'm interested because you've got this juxtaposition, you've got your policing career and you're working with Les Mills. You know, that in itself, as you say, is a, is a really big contrast because there's this focus on the physical world at Les Mills. And um, I have to say, you're not the first person that's actually been on as a guest, you know, for At Source Podcast. We've, I've actually had quite a few wellness experts who started in the physical domain and then moved more over to that well-being um, arena, just saying that they recognised that there was something sort of missing intrinsically for themselves and it wasn't, you know, enough to be the, the best personal trainer or the best you know, fitness lead, that there was actually a lot more to wellness. So I'm just interested in that juxtaposition because you've gone from sort of working, as you sort of shared, more sort of largely in homicide, which can be obviously very grim. And then, you know, you're going on the stage and you're putting on this great big smile and you're setting a world-class example for instructors. And so that in itself is a really big juxtaposition. I'm just sort of interested how you, whether you felt that it was a a tension of sorts or whether you just felt really complete in that juxtaposition? It was very interesting because I um, taught step for, for a long time and step, body step in itself is this sort of bubbly, light, kind of giggly, kind of um, bouncy, you know, fitness. I know, right? I know. I gave it a go actually last week and I was hopeless, <laughs> but yes. It's kind of got that vibe about it and, and I always did used to joke, you know, I'd be picking up, you know, parts, albeit whether they're human or, or 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 whatever from a crime scene. You know, I'd literally drive from a crime scene and and leave work, you know, take my um detective badge off out of my pocket and then throw my throw my tights on and um you know bounce in front of a room full of people. But for me, what that felt like was balance. So it felt okay. like um no matter how dark or grim the day had been, I would come into um, the gym and look at people who were normal people who would have no idea about, you know, the dark side of, of police work. And that would help draw me out. So that would help me um, sort of debrief my own day, be among, pe be okay. among people who... Mm, it was a bit therapeutic yeah, like that. for want yeah, of a better word. It felt, it felt like I, yeah. could, I was also looking after my physical well-being. Obviously, in the police, you've got to um, maintain a certain level of fitness. Um, I love people and I love music. So group fitness, that's what drew me there. And then I would get a, a, a buzz and it would it would almost like flip me out of my day, flip me out of the darkness of my day and 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 shoot me into the light of, of life again. Yeah, and I, look, I do understand that. Um, you've sort of explained that really clearly and I, I get that it was it sort of had a therapeutic benefit and I suppose you felt like you were also bringing a measure of happiness and kind of serving people in what, which seems to be something that you enjoy but just in a different dimension. And I think that, you know, that agility is quite remarkable because not everybody can kind of put on different hats and 
run four jobs or run two yeah. jobs, you know, yeah. and so that just, so I suppose, speaks to your sort of adaptability, Thank Susan. You. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> yeah. So uh, in terms of, you know, me talking with guests and, and it, you know, each guest has their own sort of take on it, obviously right now the world is a strange place and we, we really are always just adjusting to this new kind of normal and that newness just sort of keeps changing. Yeah. Um, how do you personally keep sort of yourself grounded and have that steady mindset when it just sort of feels like our world's never going to be the same yeah. again? Definitely the last sort of 15 to 18 months have been a resilience test for, for everybody and I'm no... Um, you know, just because we are, you know, experts in, in a well-being field, it doesn't mean that we don't experience what everybody else feels. So, so That's absolutely one hundred percent. I've been on the roller coaster like everybody else. I have days where I, I just feel like I'm a champion in life, and then I have other days where I'm just really struggling to to get out of my pajamas, mm. if if you want. What works for me is I've got a few tools up my sleeve that I give myself permission to to not be okay but but then I mm. do the work to support okay so what is it and I'll give you an example of that the very first lockdown we had I woke up one morning and I was just I was doing daily um uh sort of a dear diary every day and sending it out to my team just to um it was something that held me accountable to my role but it was also very very therapeutic for me and gave space for some of my team who were having bad days to say, oh, you know, I really needed that email today. That was just, you know, you hit a, hit a nerve. So it was a win-win all around. But I did wake up one day, we we're about three three weeks into that first lockdown and I was just, I was, I was antsy is the word. You know, I just knew I wasn't myself. And um, so one of the, one of the, one of the sort of tools that we use in our leadership stuff is to become centred. Is, is to so I did I went and had a shower had a good cry came out did some breathing and allowed myself to sort of spend some time deep what's going what's really going on here so not just staying at the oh yeah I'm feeling I'm having a shitty day and I, you know life's terrible I didn't stay there in my mental space I allowed my breathing and I dropped right into the emotional space and what I tapped into was actually, um, so in the police, Christmas Day is the worst day for families mm. who live at risk. You know, there's financial mm. pressures, social pressures, mm. expectations around, you know, what Christmas should be and, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a pressure cooker day. And what I'd realised is that I was triggered by the fact that some of these at-risk families had now spent three weeks in their homes and so I was feeling sadness is what was happening for me mm. so yeah I think um I I'm pretty honest with myself I think that's another tool is to not pretend that it's okay and you know and the experts say reach out to someone so particularly this lockdown where it, we've had goalposts moving like yeah it's been really protracted, it has, yeah. It's been cumulative, and it's not knowing. You know, we've had our we've had our level systems changed. We've had, you know, what that means, and it's not what it was. And so I'm, I'm doing. You know, I, I appreciate in my own self if I'm not having a good day, and I, and I'll reach out. You know, I'll share with my thirteen year old. I'm, I'm sad, or 
I'll reach out with a friend and go, right, I need some I need some friend time, you know, let's go and have a walk in the forest and stuff. So um, I'm not a shat. I think, I think our kids, yeah, and I just go back to 13-year-old, I think that kids in general sort of need that modelled because I think that teenagers are quite reticent, I think generally speaking, they're quite sort of anxious about what people think about them and how they're going to be perceived. And so, you know, saying I feel this or I've had a bad day and I, I can really relate to that because you know, we, we both have the similar age daughters, right? And my daughter's not that great about talking about how she feels. Mm. And so she was in a right old yes. funk, you know, and I went down last, you know, week and said, oh, you know, are you okay? And she was sort of on the edge of tears and, and said, I've just been in a really bad mood all day and I just don't know what's wrong with me, you know, and I was able to have that moment with her that, you know, I don't often get, to be fair. Um, but I think saying those things like it's actually okay and, you know, I felt like this on Thursday or, you know, just articulating or sharing how you feel when it comes to mood, yeah. I think, with our teenagers and, you know, with our friends and with our colleagues is just it's got to become a more normal thing. You know, I think gone are the days where you go, how are yeah. you? You know, and they, I'm oh, I'm fine, I'm yeah. fine, thanks. You know, there's a lot of that going yeah. on, I find. yeah. I mean, all of the messaging that's coming through, and it, and it and it potentially could sound cliche, you know, be kind, empathise, but it's actually very real. Mm, that's you right. Can, you know, and reaching out to someone is important. There's not a single interaction that I have with one of my team or a member of my family that I don't walk away feeling better for it. Yes, yeah, that's right. Better so I'm it. just going to um, fast forward you. Now to I am just Susan, which is a new a new business, a new wellness and transformational business that you've just launched, uh, yeah. and we talk about that deep well, that emotional and wellness reservoir that you're starting to sort of tap into, and you've made this leap into I am just Susan just very recently, like what two weeks ago? Would yes. it have been two weeks ago? Yeah, yes. and brave, brave, you've done it in lockdown, but but actually you don't need to have FaceTime to be impactive right? We know that now because the way we do things has changed up quite a lot. So I'm just interested, first of all, in, in the name of the business, I'm just Susan. I noticed the just in there, which, yes. you know, I remember I remember being taught how to write a decent essay or write a, a decent sort of um, email to an employer when you want a pay rise and you never put the word just in there because it's sort yes. of got a uh, a sort of one step backwards, you know, one step forwards kind of vibe. So I was just interested in that. Well, yes. So the launch was two weeks ago, but the 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 work in progress has been over two years. And right. it's sort of um, my physical uh, well being. My knees are a bit arthritic, and I'm sort of thinking, okay. So the long the long game, you know, you do. There was for me a, a moment at fifty where where sort of the conversation in my head was, okay. Well, if that's half, the halfway mark you know, what, what's what's the next 50? And I know that, you know, physically, probably teaching classes isn't a reality. As long as I physically can, I will. But I needed something to fill, you know, what I know is my purpose and that's and that's to help people. And I've always been a coach of sorts, you know. Mm, but, um, mm. The shift has been coaching from, you know, your squat or your cycle technique to, okay, so what's happening for you and how can we move you forward? The just Susan part came when I started to dabble in, okay, so post Les Mills, what does it look like? And I was doing all my homework and I was writing down all of my my, my um, 
my skills, if you like. So I had, you know, yoga, I'm yoga trained, I'm a, I'm a wellness expert, I do leadership, and I do, I'm a celebrant. And so I had all this, mm. all this, like, sort of blue sky thinking on a page. And I actually asked a couple of friends of mine who own a, a branding agency, um, you know, I said, I need help. I, I know I need to create a brand, but I don't know what that is. And I'm, I'm having a real fuddle about it because, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't seem to break through. So bless them. I got put my put my real clothes, big girls clothes on. And I went and had this interview with, with these boys. And um, Jono just sort of started... As I said, this is what I've done, you know, I'm, 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 I mean, I, I can do yoga and I can do, you know, motivational speaking and I can do that. I said, I'm just, I'm struggling with the labels, you know, I'm struggling with life coach. Like, what does that mm. mean? It's just mm. like, just, it's just another man. And anyway, he was like a mad scientist and he was sort of drawing on the paper and he said, and then he just drew a big line through it and he went, you're none of those. You're just Susan. <laughs> right. And I and I burst into <laughs> tears, and it, which meant that it was right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because he said, when we hang out with you, when we see you at the gym, when we hang out with you socially, you're just bloody Susan. You're none of you, these labels do not represent who you are. So um, it just landed like a ton of bricks. I, I came home that morning and looked online and the domain was available. <laughs> oh, just, yeah, it would have been. It's quite unique. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm just Susan.com. Well, I don't know how many just, Susan, just Susans. <laughs> that's smart. That's smart alone. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you're, not, you're not fighting for real estate. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I literally bought the domain and um, then sort of slowly over the last two years, um, at the beginning of lockdown last year, I actually got my coaching certificate. Um, but I do do facilitation with a woman, um, Robin Wynne-Lewis, who does a, a LDI, which is a sort of five-day transformative uh, leadership space. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's just been a combination of slowly getting the website built. I, I got the design made. You know, I got a graphic artist to design it, and she did a beautiful representation of of me. I think and my brand and my story. Yeah, it looks it looks it does look great. And I think you know you've touched on something because even with all your kind of honed skills, you, you were sort of feeling muddled about how to present yourself to the world. And I think many of us struggle with that. I don't think you're alone in that. You can have, you know, as much insight for others, but sometimes for yourself, you do need help. And I don't think there's anything wrong in getting help like you have just to kind of shape up what, what, what you know, already were the core strengths. And, you know, and as you say, you're a certified transformational coach and you've done the work. And so it's really just finding something. I mean, the thing I love about the name, I'm Just Susan, is that it's obviously very approachable and it sort of does break down sort of barriers, doesn't it? People people just feel like they can come straight to you and just sort of kind of relate to you on that really authentic, real level. It does sort of, as you say, cuts the BS. So, um, but I was, I was interested in that. So, I mean, obviously, you know, when you talk about the catalyst for change, I mean, obviously hitting 50, it is a bit of a milestone. You do start to reflect, don't you, on the on the things that you sort of want for yourself. Um, and you're right, you're not going to be sort of 70 and, you know, 
bench pressing necessarily in front of sort of 60 people <laughs> in Studio One. So, I mean. <laughs> no, no. I might be down at the Ryman's though, you know, in the yeah. entertainment hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there'll be something for you. I'm, I've got no doubt about it. Uh, just tell me a little bit about Energex because I just noticed, is that, is that, did I say that correctly, Energex? Yes, yeah. Energy X. Um, Energy X. So a friend of mine who I've known for years was also a Les Mills person and um, a Les Mills trainer and presenter and he also is a very, very clever, clever marketeer and left Les Mills to um, get a word, uh, get a job um, in charge of all of the marketing for Telstra in Australia um, suffered an incredible burnout um, and started to do his homework um, around mental well-being and, you know, very quickly realised that most of the research around mental well-being is right at the extreme end. So when you've got yeah. and depression, yeah. depression, suicide, um, addictions and that. So he was struggling to find what, what was wrong with him because he wasn't at that end. Yeah. But he wasn't well. Mm. And so he um, has put together, it's a corporate well-being company, basically. And um, so he moved from being in charge of marketing to to heading the HR department. And so very quickly could see how people were burnt out. And so his the entire ethos for Energy X is around managing your energy, not your time. Mm. Because we can control or we all are masters of understanding when something energizes us or when it depletes us. And so one of the big chunks of work in, in the Energy X is around managing your diary. So understanding what what you have to do. Yeah. You know, and whether that depletes you or energizes you. Because if something is not important to you and it depletes you, then you have to ask the question why you're doing mm. it. That's right. That's you know, right. And if some if something you have to do um, depletes you, it's around working out some tools. So, for example, I'm not a natural numbers person, but what I've discovered is when I'm doing my reporting for work, if I smash some dance music down my headphones, it energizes me so I can get the job done. So, for a lot of and and, and time's finite, right? So we we most people who want to do make change or add a skill, oh, I haven't got any more time, right? So their diaries are full. So it's the work inside Energy X. It's about understanding how you can manage your energy. And it's, you know, simple things like it's your food and your nutrients, it's your sleep. It's um, it's also sort of branching a little bit deeper into understanding what your key character strengths are and living to purpose, because of people who know sort of how they're made up, um, if people lean into those strengths, they're far more, um, they report a far more healthier internal sort of sense of well-being. So, for example, I'm a funny person, right? So I like to, I like to make people laugh. It lightens the load. It, it lightens the mood. It creates a sort of softer aspect and... Um, you know, if I took a job as a librarian, for example, where I was having to sort of maintain this sort of calm reserve, I wouldn't be leaning into my strengths. Yeah, yeah. And so understanding, and I also have a massive, um, it uh, makes no no surprise, a, a sense of justice and and 
hence my police work and hence sticking up for the underdog and hence having a deep, deep empathy for people. So the Energy X stuff, um, I just utilise that. I'm kind of like, a, I'm positioning myself as a bit of a Mary Poppins in the in the life coaching kind of arena as, as in I've got a whole bag of tricks and just depending on what, and tools, depending on what's going on for someone, I'll just grab one of those kind of, yeah, tools, tools. Well, solutions I mean, well, or you, tools. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think you have to, right? Because there's not a one size fits all for everybody. And I and I think you know you've really touched on something in that preventative space because it's sometimes not until the ambulance is sort of at the bottom of the cliff that people do things. But if we can kind of back that up and be a little bit more sort of self aware, and as you know, first of all, we're probably not going to get there, and we're going to be. So I think it's great that there's a sort of a risk identification and prevention approach, um, particularly in the corporate space. I think that's going to be really useful. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything like that in New Zealand? Um, I think there are a few um, wellness sort of companies that are pitching to, to big corporations to, to have a solution. They There are a wide variety of sort of like here's an app with a daily uh, sort of message. Oh, yes, there's a lot well of being. that. There's a lot of actually, there's you know. There's a lot of that. Yeah, I did actually talk to Workplace Wellness um, and, and that, right. that is one, one key group actually in New Zealand that um, work yeah. pretty hard in an interactive way, not not sort of an app based way. And and you can you know I've yeah. I've actually seen it with my own eyes. Um, you know, a corporate kind of play around with that app, and they're quite sort of um, I suppose <laughs> irreverent around the way that they would reply, or they'd almost sort of have fun with it. And so it sort of does defeat the purpose of doing the work. Um, if it's yeah. something too that's sort of imposed on you every day and you know that's that right. someone's watching the data and X needs to have completed this task, you know, daily, then you're less inclined to actually want to be sort of honest and transparent. Mm. It just becomes mm. this begrudging thing. So I think, yeah, change does, does come from within and you have to actually seek it out. But as you're sort of talking about sort of leaning into your personal strengths, I, I wonder just how many people just don't have that, they're not wired that way. They don't sort of have the tools or the inclinations to, to sort of work all that out because what you're actually asking people to do here is sort of step back and have that measure of self-awareness to actually do the work. And I'm just sort of wondering what might trigger somebody to, to want to do the work? Because I'm just imagining, and correct me if I'm wrong, that most of us just sort of walk around in a bit of a grey cloud, you know, and we're not sort of tuned into stuff. So what would be a catalyst for somebody to go, you know what, I need to stop, I need to do this, I need to make some change? How many of us actually do that work, do that journey? It comes down to a number of different things, right? I, I think um, events... So when an event happens in someone's life, so I've recently been through a marriage breakup, which I don't recommend to anybody, but that's a, a, an event that happened in my life where I, I, I realised I couldn't do it on my own and I had to get some support. You know, my physical health started to change. I, um, you know, pins and needles in my arm and I, I'm a firm believer that our body manifests what's going on for us. So I think it's... It's about conversation, I suppose. It's about conversations like these where we can entice people to be curious about what's go what's actually going on for them. Because, yeah, we all find our autopilot, you know, by default every day we get up and do what we do and, you know, tick the boxes and eat and sleep and drink and, and all of that. 
and you know like but some sorry to, sorry to jump in here but no, some and jump. I'm just aware of this you know some jobs are more isolating than others I'm thinking about our truckies in New Zealand are truck drivers and you know we've just at Nature B just recently formed a partnership with New Zealand Trucking Association because we've found that you know our bee pollen for example really helps truckies stay alert and have mental clarity when they drive long hours and some, I mean, I'm, I'm only bringing this up because the isolation when you jump into a, into a cab and you drive long hours and you're sleep deprived and you've probably been living on energy drinks, you know, and you've got all the responsibilities, particularly right now with COVID, yeah, all this yeah. testing, constant yeah. testing and so forth. And so I'm just wondering, how do you reach people like that? Because you're talking about events but but maybe these truck drivers don't actually have events, Susan. You know, no. maybe they've just got just this bleakness of every day and the chugging along. And so what's the catalyst for those people? Well, I think everybody's got a cell phone and everybody has some form of connection to the internet or albeit a, some type of social media feed or anything. And I think... Um, you know, th there are ways to reach those people. Like you say, there's organisations, you know, there are um, unions, if you like, and, and you know, we've got a, a government that was elected and on a wellbeing um, portfolio. So I think that we are doing better at, at starting conversations. Um, you know, what alarms me that you've just fired a memory, I think, was it last year they... Um, announced the suicide stats and it's the builders who are at the top you know mm, it used to be the it used yeah. to be the dentists now there's a lot of builders out there you know so we did a little bit of work in the women's well, well women's leadership with inside the bciTO which is a, the building oh, corporation yes. Yeah. yes and these women are, are you know less than four percent of the workplace mm. And so, um, you know, and they're kind of at risk of being marginalized and, yeah. um, yeah, kind of, yeah, stretched, stretched beyond probably what's reasonable and may not even be treated that well, right? In the workplace, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, that it was interesting. They, um, this is just a little aside, and and but it made me giggle the, the reasons why the builders don't want women on work site on building sites is because they'd have to get two toilets. That they might, they wouldn't be able to carry uh, the bag of con the concrete. Um, there were five of them. Um, they'd get pregnant. Um, they'd distract the other boys. I'm just like, uh, are we interesting? In the 1920s? I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very kind of Downton Abbey in terms of um, yeah attitudes. Yeah. I suppose you're yeah. right. You're right. But I feel How like the builders on sites are, are they're, they're isolated as well, and so the the direct link there is that they're also at the highest of our suicide rates. So that's a yeah. warning bell, you know. That's a yeah. red flag. That's right. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so just in terms of, um, I mean, you, you obviously are you full time with I am just Susan, or are you sort of still navigating a bit of Les Mills? How's that working for you? So currently I'm still employed as the group fitness manager and um, of Les Mills in Auckland City and um, that's a full-time role but obviously the, the state of what full-time has looked like has been spend most of your time at home and only yeah. when we went to level three uh, did we sort of, well no we started online Facebook so I'm still engaged and I'm still working and it was an opportunity to just like go okay if I put myself out there I wonder what will happen. Mm. That's right. And I was 
completely overwhelmed with the support from, you know, my my global family, if you like. And so I, the way I sort of see it playing out is um, we've got a lot going on at Auckland City and I love my job, I love my instructors and I feel an obligation to stay there and see everybody through the worst of it because I'm a steady, I'm a steady, you know, I'm older. Right, right. I'm calmer. I've been around the block a few times. People look at me and I'm the one that doesn't lose it. It's sort of not a sprint, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I feel like I'm impacting the younger ones. I feel like I have a positive impact mm. on the younger ones who are not coping as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but in the background, so I've started coaching, I've taken on board quite a few clients, and so I feel like I will continue to do both mm. until such time the tipping point where it's like, okay, I, I'm actually doing both of these jobs. Shit. Yeah, I've got to do one of them properly. I've got to do one of them yeah. properly. Yeah, and I've got to, I've got to stop this juggling. Business. Yeah, and, and you'll probably you'll probably be out of lycra. So and and yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and I imagine that your time at Les Mills and and I mean, I you know, I'm obviously on your Facebook page, and so when you sort of as much as squeak about 600 people write in. So I'm imagining that your time at Les Mills has you know you've probably got an enormous following and I imagine some of your clients um, and some of the needs in that arena are probably a little bit more visible now that you've sort of come out because you would have built some good relationships with people over time and you, and I think you're right you you know you are somebody who sort of uses humor really effectively to kind of um, mm. warm people to you and I think that mm. that's probably been a really good asset for you and it's probably gonna help you to kind of move forward to this this sort of new new time um, some of your own sort of transformations um, with with perhaps with people, not so much. I mean, you, you've touched on something personal with your marriage breakup and events. We all have them. We can't escape them. But just in terms of maybe your clients and, I mean, I don't want to throw, put you on the spot, but is there a, a case study or just an example of where, don't have to name names, but just somebody might have been struggling with something and then they were able to kind of work through it. What What would be a real everyday example? Well, there are, there are some, some general themes coming through. Um, I can get into a, a couple of specifics, but what I'm noticing talking to people is that there's a bit of a disconnect between people's hearts and their purpose and their sense of um, belonging and people's brains, which are their logical. Mm. I get up, we touched on the autopilot. Mm. And, and so... People are living up in here, right? They're living in their minds and they, they they are conscious of what they're doing. They get things done, but it just doesn't feel right. Or it doesn't feel and good. So that, they're not feeling happy. It doesn't feel good. It's not fulfilling. Yeah. It's not fulfilling. They realise, you know, a lot of people are taking stock and saying, well, I've sort of just got through the last couple of years, but I don't want to just get through the next couple of years. You know, I want to bring some some zest and I'm not sure I'm just not sure what it is that's missing so um two clients I've got two of my clients I'm working on at the moment is about opening up the pathway from mind to to heart and um you know for a lot of people at the beginning I'm just getting people to to remember to breathe mm-hmm 
that comes through a lot, the breathing thing, because I run around hyperventilating on a daily basis. So I'm quite most, fascinated. Most <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. always fascinated with this this big, powerful word about breathing. Um, and and Lance, yeah. Lance and I actually had quite a, a giggle about this, but do go on. Yeah, so what I'm seeing is that it's it's not, transformational coaching is not actually about having a big solution over here and, and, and saying, okay, so I need you to do this and it's going to fix everything. You sort of go on this journey with each other and it's a real partnership. So I see my role as the coach to ask questions, to kind of help someone see what's really going yeah. on for them. yeah. Lots of feelings. You have to talk about your feelings, wouldn't you, in a big way? If you don't want, uh, you, you can if you want to and if you can identify them, but for a lot of people, that's the disconnect. Yeah, yeah, I imagine, right? I so imagine. They're mentally, yeah. they're mentally going through through it, but they're not sure what they're feeling. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But getting, you know, getting the um, feelings well, out, sort of extracting them would yeah. be, I imagine, your your job. and, and to, to make that connection between heart and mind I think, you know, that's a very kind of feelings orientation. Yeah, it is. Coming into your heart space is, mm. is feeling. And it's also scary for some people. Um, and so there's, you know, it's just small little tools. I think the biggest joy is watching someone get the clunk when they've figured it out themselves. Mm. They're like, oh, I'm feeling like this because of this. And I think... I need to do this. And as a coach, you go, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and none of that is, is I'm just Susan directed. It's very much a, a, um, a partnership, but I'm just, you know, I had a client send me a photo because, you know, he didn't he didn't feel well and, and we managed to establish that, you know, he hasn't been in nature for six weeks I said okay tonight I want you to go and find nature whatever that is if it's a beach or a forest or a park or and I want you to send me a photo yeah yeah and so he you know it's a little bit of homework but it got Mm. him into the forest Mm. and you know the 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 feedback that he sent was I just felt felt so amazing I was able to reconnect and there's a big thing in that I've I've just one of one of my more recent podcasts was a couple in Nelson who run these sort of retreats. And I, and I know you've run some retreats too. Um, you know, but big part of it was actually going into the forest and walking and getting in amongst it and staying in the forest. And um, it was quite amazing just talking to them both um, about it and just sort of understanding how important it is. It's not something, I mean, I know it from a sort of a, a sort of an academic premise, but definitely, I mean, I'm more a water person. I probably wouldn't go to a forest, but people people just sort of need to find, don't they, something that's going to, to something that's easy on the eyes. I find water's just so easy on the eyes and I can actually yeah. distill and stop um, and mm. just look at the view, you know? So I think, yeah, mm. I think you, you've touched on something. So is that, that's part of what you, you do? You sort of encourage people to get amongst that? Yeah, there's a big part of... Um well, it's understanding what, what will work for that person, but I, I do feel somewhere way back in our thousands of thousands of years of, of, of being on the planet, you know, we're destined to be in nature and we have a connection to nature and through civilization, you know, we lose, we've lost that a little bit. You know, we get in our cars. I don't even need to walk outside to get in my car. Mm. 
you know, and I could drive to the gym, I've got five seconds of outside, then I'm inside, True. you know. Yeah. So I think it's um, it can be a, a visit somewhere, but it can also be just, um, and this is like Mindfulness 101, is to just stop and notice, just stop and notice something that you haven't noticed before. Yeah, that's good, and everybody can do that. Everybody can do that, and also like we do in the Energy X stuff, we do um, mindful eating. Right. So instead of sitting in front of your computer yeah. and gorging your food, and I, I, I looked at this, so I used to live in Los Angeles and live in San Francisco, and the amount of people sitting in their cars eating wow. their food while they're driving was just a, a phenomenon to me. But, you know, my, enjoying and, 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 and relishing a moment where you take time, you you taste the flavours, you um, feel the textures, you feel a deep sense of connection to the food that's been provided, you know, whatever plant-based that's come from or protein source, that's, you know, like it's it's small things. Yeah, we've, we've had a, a you know, and, and what I'm loving about these sessions is that there's some really lovely tapestries that, that are happening where there's some sort of overlapping, some threads of goodness. And, you know, I was talking to um, an eating psychologist and coach just when, again, in one of my more recent podcasts, and she was actually just talking about how the body doesn't even metabolize the food if you eat on the move and you're eating, you know, like on the run and you're not consciously digesting your food. Um, there's sort of like a stress release, like a cortisone level. Cortisol. Yeah, cortisol mm. that kind of impacts the way the food's processed and you're actually more inclined to carry weight and, and not just be a healthy sort of leaner version of yourself. So I found that really fascinating, um, you know, just as even at the table just to slow down. I'm, I'm always the first finished to look around and go, gee, everybody's so slow, you know. <laughs> so there's something I've in moved that. moved on. I'm <laughs> oh, dessert, you know. Uh, so there's, yeah. sort of some, there's sort of something in that, I think, around the slowing down and that mindfulness around better eating practice too. So, you know, the breathing, the mindfulness, I mean, these are things that are sort of coming through with, with people like yourself. Um, I, did love, I did love a quote that you had uh, about finding the light in a situation, it had a little precursor. What was it? You said I, you said something I like, I, I, you know, the end you say I like to look for the light in a situation or I like to search for the light or I thought that was great. Yeah, um, yeah so the, there is some work that you can, um, there's, a, there's an online uh, questionnaire that you can fill in. I think it's VIA.org. Yeah. I don't, it's VIA anyway, and it punches out your character strengths, right? And so for years, um, you know, I've always been able to make people laugh and I like to laugh at myself. And um, for years, I kind of punished myself about that. Ah. Like I used to sort of go, can't you just walk into a room and be normal? Do you always have to be ridiculous? What is what, you know, and I'd beat myself up about, the sort of attention-seeking behaviour, and am I am I hiding a dark secret? <laughs> or, and so, so for years, I was like, "Oh, you're just using your humour to, um, you know, cover up some nasty secret or dark part about my." But anyway, the character work is when I found out about the humour. There's actually an intelligence to it, mm. which I wasn't aware of, and I'm conscious of it now. Um, that I do use humour to. Um, 
to help people see a, a lighter perspective. Yeah. You know, I also use it to connect the room. You know, when I make a joke about how hard it is being the mother of a teenager, at least all of the other mothers of teenagers can get the, that, you know, feel that emotion or feel the experience. And so part of looking for the light is is two part. It's a, it's about that humour aspect, but it's also about. Do you remember the when your daughter, your children were born, and and the first time you see them, and you look into their eyes, and they look into your eyes, and you clock it, and you oh, I'm gonna get I'll get emotional now, because what 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 you look that moment you look into your children's eyes for me, was the soul, connecting to the soul. Mm. Stories aside, experiences aside, drama aside, um, social media aside, you're just two beautiful, gushy human beings connecting. And I feel that all of us have that. And that's why you're a celebrant, eh? Because I was going to ask you about that too. Because you obviously, you obviously, yeah. you, I mean, just what you're talking about is that sort of when two people want to come together and make that commitment to each other, uh, as yeah. as it's that same soul to soul connection is that correct yeah that's what sort yeah. of the plot that you yeah. love about that yeah i love about that and i think that um there's always a way to find the goodness in somebody you know i'm 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 not a big fan of people who say oh that person oh you won't want to work with that person because they're a b c d and i'm like yeah but they're probably xyz as well which is good qualities and you you haven't found them so I do I do believe on a very spiritual level that we are all connected and and I've discovered that through my yoga yoga work is the simple sound of an om is a is a is a global connection that you tap into when you when you make that noise and um you know I did my yoga training in San Francisco a lot of homeless people in San Francisco who um, present themselves to the world on one level as unkempt, unwashed, desperate, you know, drug addictions, alcohol, all of it, you know, on one level that's what they present. Whereas I always look at that person and go, when you were born, you were born a beautiful soul and something's happened to you in your life that's landed you to where you are. So I... I yeah, you're looking at the backstory, the backstory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's really, it's well explained. Um, I was just going to say, look, we're getting to the end, but, you know, one final question, you know, as we're getting closer to Christmas, um, I mean, you know, you touched on something and it's not the first time I've heard it, that Christmas can be extraordinarily difficult for, actually not just for families or where there are domestic violence issues or, you know, just the average family, it can be a really tricky day. Um, what, what, what are your tips for sort of staying um, sane mentally and also just kind of keeping, uh, you know, our new norm at, at bay, like finding some balance between how do we stay fit and healthy? I, I mean, ask, I'm going to ask you a question. Just generally speaking, do you think people feel festive with Christmas approaching or are people feeling, you know, quite flat? I mean, maybe people won't overindulge or eat lots and there might might not be the same tensions because we're not out shopping, we're not out doing, there's not the retail build-up and the jingle jangles. So a yeah. bit of a strange time. It is a bit of a strange time. I'm going to speak from my personal experience. You know, like generally 
our family will enjoy getting together. We've got different dynamics and, um, you know, I've got to manage that one Christmas, every second Christmas I don't have mm. grace and so the family organise around that. I think it's about just understanding what Christmas means for you mm. and then being really honest about the expectations around that because Christmas is something different for every each of us. You know, yes, and, and not so, not all not all of us sort of celebrate Christmas either. Not all of us like our family either. Yeah, but 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 I mean, from a <laughs> kind of an interfaith premise, you know, not everybody's yeah. kind of into into Christmas. So um, there's also that too, probably going on. You know, where where, where yeah, and mm. I think there'll be there'll be new pressures. I think, Karen, mm. this time, you know, like people aren't going to be able to get presents because. The shops aren't, well, they'll open next week potentially, but like online's just a hoot, you know. So I think there are going to be different pressures. Um, you know, one thing for me is um, I don't, I just, I just, it is what it is. Like as we lead into Christmas, this is going to be the first time we've had a Christmas off the back of being locked in our houses for 15 Weeks so, or 14 or 13. Mm. So who knows what's going to happen? Mm. You know, if I was a 22-year-old, I would be like, okay, if I get released right now, I'm going for it. Yeah. So we might see a, you know, yeah. we might see a bunch yeah. of young people. That's happening in Aussie. Sort of, that is happening right now yeah. in Australia. Everybody's just right. drinking and they're out. Yeah. And, so yeah. That, that could be something that's a new, um, a new stress for people is watching our young ones who have, have sort of, the young ones that I'm talking to, they feel about ripped off. Yeah, they haven't had their rites of passage either, you know, so. Yeah, they have. Mm. They feel like they haven't had an opportunity to go out and make bad choices and, and learn mm. learn some things about social behaviour and stuff. So, I, I, yeah, I really don't know. People are losing jobs, mm. you know, we're now. Yes, companies yes. Companies are folding down. Redundancies. So we've got people who are yes. un, unemployed, mm. um, people can't get to their batches. Mm. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's I don't, I, I. I, I I feel like there's lots of different dynamics at play that will make it have its own mm. unique blessings and stresses. some challenges. And so basically, you know, having some sort of routine and staying sort of, as you said, in touch with your feelings is probably the, the only way you're going to be sort of authentic to self is to go, I feel really crappy today or, um, you know, I know this is going to be a tough time coming ahead, coming up ahead, so I need to put some strategies in place to be able to manage it especially given some of the, you know, the strains of, of this rather long lockdown. So maybe what, you know, to sum it up, maybe what you are saying is, you know, we need to be reflective and we need to be constantly in the moment present to be able to be effectively reflective. Yeah, totally um, acknowledging what's going on for yourself on all of the levels, you know. So, uh, you know, there might be something that's, a physical niggle that you haven't experienced before. So that, you know, I believe the body tells the story. So if there's a, a an ailment or, a, or a, you know, something just doesn't feel right, quite often that can be a reflection of what's going on. And so, you know, it's it's a layered approach. So you, I always start with the physical. How are you feeling physically? Yes, yeah, and then strip it you know, back. Do you, yeah. Strip it back because once it, it always starts with physical, you know, are you breathing? Um, do you need to take your shoes off? Is your skirt too tight? You know, like, like what's actually going on for you at a physical level? And can we can we loosen that off a little bit or, um, you know, become aware of it? And then 
that sort of opens the chapter, I think, to what's going on at a, at a deeper level yeah, for people. Yeah, it's a, that's a, a really nice way to kind of end because I think people are probably, you know, find it easier talking about that to start with than sort of going straight in for the, the deeper stuff. So where do people find yeah. you if they're interested in uh, getting, getting in amongst it with you and finding out more about what you're able to offer? How do people find you? Um, you can find me on my website, which is imjustsusan.com. Okay. And there's a little link in there. You can um, you can have a look at sort of the things that I have done and a little bit of my history. And there's a contact me um, via email sort of on that link. And, yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I mean, you know, congrats on the launch. And I hope it goes really well. I'm sure, I'm you, sure it will. And I think the work that you're doing is really valuable and you've built enormous trust with many people over the years. So I'm only expecting onwards and upwards for you, Susan. So yeah, thanks thanks so much. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in and joining our conversation and stay tuned for more episodes. Please rate, review and subscribe. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact this episode's interviewee. At Source Podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.